I want to remind you that there are two lines of communication in Heavenly Father, between Heavenly Father and His children. There is a personal line. There is a personal line of communication. Every child of God has a right to talk to their father and almost a right to expect their father, I shouldn't say almost, a right to expect their father to talk to them. You can expect your heavenly father to, sp to speak to you. And that's what we've spent our whole, most of our course on, is how do I tap into this personal line? How do I communicate? How do I recognize when he's speaking? What are the rules of revelation? How do I facilitate that? I hope you have walked away from this class realizing that more of that flow is under your control than you've realized. I control the flow of revelation. It's up to me. I'm not just sitting waiting for him to speak. I have the ability to control the flow. So that's what we've done. There is, however, a second line, and that is the priesthood line. There is a priesthood line of communication that I need to understand and I need to respect. She can't pick where she goes on a mission, can she? Should she expect to? Should she expect to pick where she goes on a mission? Because so many factors are at play there, factors that she doesn't have control over. I don't get to pick how the plan of salvation rolls out. I don't get to pick when Jesus comes. I don't get to pick so many things that are going to come to prophets, seers, and revelators and not to me. Now, allow me to make a bold declaration. If these two are contradicting each other, which one's wrong? That one's wrong. I declare that as a bold statement. But there's no way, if that's not the case, we've got chaos in the kingdom, don't we? If these two are conflicting with each other, which one's wrong? You will never get revelation that is in contradiction to established scripture and revelation that comes through proper channels. You will never get permission from Heavenly Father to violate the law of chastity. If you're getting permission to violate the law of chastity, guess what? You're not getting revelation because these, if they're in conflict, this one is wrong. Otherwise, we have chaos. Now, that being said, does my bishop have a right to tell me things that would only come through here? My occupation. Can my bishop pull me in and say, I've received revelation that you need to do this for your occupation? If he does that, then which one's wrong? His is wrong. Because that is not something that goes through the priesthood line of authority. He is stepping into my personal line. So understanding these is critical. Will the bishop tell, me, tell you it's time to have another child? Can you imagine a bishop calling you in and saying, Whitney, it's time for you two to have a child. Would that be overstepping? because that does not come through the priesthood line of authority, does it? But what if there's an issue of worthiness here and you say to the bishop, I think I should still have a temple recommend interview or a temple recommend. I think I'm worthy of the temple. And the bishop says, uh, according to church handbook, you're not, I can't give you a recommend. Now, which one's wrong? 
because the bishop has the authority to determine your worthiness to enter the temple. Do you see how an understanding of that is critical? Both on both sides. If a priesthood holder misunderstands this and oversteps, they're interfering and almost offending revelation. If we personally misunderstand this and overstep, we may offend revelation. So critical to understand that. The other thing we've been talking about, and I want to make sure we end the class understanding, is one of the greatest ways to improve improve personal revelation is to take advantage of tools that have come through priesthood. Now, we talked about temple. Taking advantage of the temple to improve personal revelation. That is a tool coming through priesthood channels. I don't decide where they're built. I don't decide when I get to go. I don't make the rules regarding temples. Those come through priesthood line. But taking advantage of priesthood line tools like temples will dramatically increase personal. Then last week we talked about a priesthood line tool. And that's a patriarchal blessing. My dad didn't give me a patriarchal blessing, did he? It's not a family thing. It's a priesthood thing. When I taught at Brighton, I taught President Nelson's grandkids. I taught three of President Nelson's grandkids. I asked every one of them, did your grandfather give you your patriarchal blessing? Every one of them said the same thing. Did Russell Nelson give his grandchildren their patriarchal blessings? He did not because he's not a patriarch. There is a process, there are keys, there is order over here And if I respect that order, this, my personal revelation improves. So we've done temple, we've done patriarchal blessing. Today, allow me to do one that is the simplest, the simplest way to improve personal revelation. And allow me to testify, it is also the easiest to neglect. Things that are easy to do are often easy to forget to do. Do you realize that you are a generation, you are probably one of the very first generations to grow up with scriptures in your pockets? Every page of scripture is in your pocket. And I'm guessing you don't go anywhere without them. At any moment, you could pull them out and go to any verse of Scripture. Am I wrong? Every one of you carry the Scriptures in your pocket. The problem is, because they're easy to grab and we have easy access to them, they're easy to neglect. Let me make a case today and and plead with you. If you want to improve personal revelation throughout your life, you need to set a goal to be a lifelong student of the scriptures.
Let me do two. Let me allow the Book of Mormon to testify of itself. Turn with me to Alma chapter 37. Let's do Alma chapter 37. Alma is leading the, leaving the scriptures to his son Helaman. And he's telling Helaman how to take care of them. And he teaches a story. Now, Alma 37, 38, he compares the scriptures to what scriptural object? Alma 37, 38. The scriptures are like the Leahona. Now, tell me about the Leahona. The Lord prepared it to guide them through the wilderness, right? How did it work? It worked according, this is an interesting word, it worked according to the heed they gave to it. It worked according to the heed they gave to it. Let's read it. Verse 39, Behold, there cannot any man work after the manner of so curious a workmanship. Behold, it was prepared to show unto our fathers the course which they should travel in the wilderness of their life. Now, let me read that again, and you tell me what is being described. Oh, sorry, I thought that was up. What is being described if I'm talking about you? It was prepared to show unto our fathers the course which they should travel in the wilderness. Do you see what tool he has prepared to guide you through the wilderness of your life? It did work for them and for us according to their faith. Therefore, if they had faith to believe that God could cause those spindles should point the way they should go, behold, it was done. Wherefore, they had this miracle and also many other miracles wrought by the power of God day by day. And so do you, right? You have a tool that will point you in the right way. What's the next word? You have a tool that will guide you in your daily life through the wilderness and the challenges that you face. And the next word is, but. And forgive me for being a little frustrated with the Latter-day Saints who carry this tool in their pocket and don't use it. Nevertheless, because those miracles were worked by small means, they were, it, it did show unto them marvelous works. Therefore, they were. Now, let's see if we can, we're going to diagram the negative. Let's do the negative, and then we're going to turn this around. I think the Book of Mormon is giving us the negative as an invitation to change the narrative. Tell me, what were they? with regards to the Leahona. They were slothful. No, you. They were slothful. And what's the other word? They forgot. They were slothful and forgot. 
Do you see the light? Do you see what I'm trying to point out? Give me synonyms for slothful. Give me modern day synonyms. I don't think the Latter-day Saints hate the scriptures. I don't think Latter-day Saints deliberately don't want to follow them. I don't think any one of you doesn't want to follow the scriptures. So what are the obstacles to getting more revelation out of them? Give me modern day synonyms from your life as to why we don't tap into these miracles. Distracted. Distracted. I think that's a big one. It's not that I don't want to. It's just that I, I get distracted. Distraction is one of the devil's greatest tools. He doesn't have to distract us with bad things, right? He distracts us with good things. And I think too many of us are distracted. Procrastination. I'll do it. Later. I'll do it later. I know I should. I don't have time. I'll do it later. Keep going. Give me other synonyms in, our, in your life. Lazy, I think sometimes applies. I just, I'm not tapping into the power of the scriptures because I just don't make the effort. Yeah. Give me others. Similar to distracted, we're just busy. We're just busy. And before you know it, the days passed and I didn't study. I didn't take advantage of the tool. All right, here's the danger. If I am slothful and forget, tell me the consequences. Let's read the rest of verse 41. If I am slothful and I forget, then the miraculous works cease. Allow me to testify that that happens every day. Miracles cease. Again, do I control the flow? I control the flow. I shut the book of revelation because I shut the book of the tool that brings it. Miracles cease. Now, let me point out what happens when miracles cease. Now, kindly, Look at your life and look at the, friend, the lives of people that you love and tell me if you've been an eyewitness to seeing this happen. Number one, tell me what happens if the miracles stop. They tarried. Now going back to here, notice the end of verse 41, they did not progress. They did not do something, and instead, what did they do? Without the miracles of heaven in your life, you're not gonna progress. Instead, you're going to tarry in the wilderness. Tarry. Give me synonyms 
Now, maybe we do all of these because they kind of cross over. Maybe it'd be better to put all three of them up. So one problem is I'm going to tarry. Some of you are tarrying. Your life is tarrying in the wilderness. Because the miracle, I've turned the miracles off. What's the second one? I tarry in the wilderness. I do not travel in a direct course. Now, if I'm not traveling in a direct course, what am I doing? I'm going to go ahead and use this word. They wander. And a lot of people I love, some of them live in my own house, are wandering. They are wandering. And try as I might, I can't get them to realize that there is a better way. They're wandering. And what's the last one? They're hungry. I love a lot of people who are looking for something and they don't even know what they're looking for because their soul is empty. They're hungry for food. They are not providing for themselves. <clears throat> they tarry, they wander, and they're hungry. Now give me synonyms. From people, from yourself, from your experience, from the lives of people that you love, tell me the synonyms. Tell me how, what you see here. Let me give you this word. People who are tarrying in the wilderness are stuck. They're stuck. Have you ever been through a period of your life that you could look back and say, you know what, I was just stuck. I was stuck. I was stuck in a rut. I was going through the motions and I wasn't accomplishing anything. My life was stuck. Any other synonyms? Say that again. Oh, I love that one. Where do you want me to put it? Hunger. Can I put it here? So common in our society to, instead of dealing with the challenges that I'm facing, I numb myself. How many of you love someone dearly who you would say is numb? They are numb to everything that's important. They've numbed themselves. Give me others. What are you seeing, Boyd? Unsatisfied. Unsatisfied. Yep. I'm going to say that one. They're wandering because they're they're lost. How many of you know people much older than you who are lost? They're lost. They're stuck. They're unsatisfied. I think that's a beautiful word. I'm hungry for something and I'm not feeding it. I'm not eating it. 
I have a relative who goes from one thing to another to another, thinking it will bring that happiness that seems to be elusive. And she is not turning on the one thing that I know would feed her. She has shut the book. Any others? Okay, can you, can you see this flow well enough? If I erase it, what I want to do is I want to replace the words with positives. If these are the negatives, and I, 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 again, I, don't, I hate doing the negative first, but can you feel the gloom in this? And yet we're all sitting there saying, yeah, I see it. I know people who are wandering and lust and stuck and hungry, and they're unsatisfied because they're wandering around numb. Okay, so what's the solution? Let's erase all of this. Let's not do the negatives. Now, remember the pattern, okay? Now I'm gonna start with, miracles. That's the key, right? That's the center. Now, how do I turn on the miracles? I have a tool. The Lord has provided a tool. What do I need to do to turn on the miracles? Let me throw out a word and you tell me if you think I should put it up there. Do you think I should, I need to obsess over them? Do I need to make the scriptures larger than life in my life. Is that what he expects? That's the beauty. He does not ask us for much effort, does he? So tell me, give me the synonyms. Instead of slothful, forgot, distracted, busy, lazy, give me the synonyms. What do you need to do? What do you need to make? The scriptures. What do you need to do with them? What's the synonym? Boy, give me the first one. You need to exercise faith. And I would suggest that you need to trust that that little act will have tremendous impact in your life. I need to exercise faith. Tyler? Diligence. I love that word. In other words, it doesn't have to be a lot of time here. It just needs to be, what's more important than a lot of time once in a while? Consistent time. Consistent, diligent. I am diligent with the scriptures. Abby? Prioritize. I need to change my priority. Keep going. Proactive. In other words, I'm not waiting for someone to come and make the scriptures more a part of my life. James, what was yours? Remember. Remember. Good. Keep going. Give me others. Can I add one? Purposeful. I purpose. I make scripture study purposeful. James? Effort. effort. A lot? Does it require a great deal of effort? 
It really doesn't. Oh my goodness. Effort. How about this one? Regular. Can I throw out a crazy idea? When you need to remember to do something on a particular day, tell me what most of you do. You put a reminder in your phone. I would suggest you put a reminder in your phone. It'll go off and it'll trigger. Read your scriptures. Regular. These are not major efforts, are they? Can you fit this into your life? Okay, now, if I do that, let's go back to the three. Do you remember what they were? One was stuck, wandering, hungry. Tell me what in your experience happens in your life when the miracles turn on. Boyd? Direction. Direction. I'm going to put that here. There is something about studying the scriptures that simply just brings direction to your life. Now, do the scriptures tell you where, you, you know, where to get a degree and what career to have? Obviously not, but studying the scriptures brings a sense of direction. Tyler? Fulfillment. Fulfillment. In other words, they scratch the deep itch that I have tried over and over and over again to scratch. If you don't mind, can I pick on you? Why did you come back? Yeah. There are so many reasons to not be here, Tyler. Yeah. You and I both know them. Yeah. No. Why did you come back? Um, you know, it's, it's I, I think I said it best in my letter to the first presidency for my request and basically it boils down to a void had opened in my life and I sought ways to fill this void yet nothing could I wandered in darkness and learned firsthand the truth of the statement wickedness never was happening and honestly like the gospel when you leave the gospel a void really truly does open in your life um and people try to explain that away with, with different explanations, but ultimately it's because the gospel fills something. I couldn't scratch that itch yeah. any other way. Yeah. I love that. Okay, other synonyms. Tell me what we'd come up with, Abby. Direction. Progression. The scriptures give my life a sense of purpose. James? Understanding. Understanding. I love that one. Do you mind if I push and say, tell me an example? Give me a, a push that. Keep going, keep going. Tell me more.
well with this. Because when you're not, kind of always be through it. Like when you're on the negative side, just going through the, through the motions, it just it almost feels like everything. Like it goes along with the loss. Yeah. About the other one being lost. And when you are being diligent, you feel the spirit close to you. And you feel uh, a sense of security and safety. And Anyone ever been in an earthquake? I was in a 7.9 once that lasted for 15 seconds. Worst 15 seconds of my life. 7.9, I was on the second floor. I was in Acapulco on my mission and I was in a 7.9 when the earth began to shake like I've never felt it in my entire life. Now, what's the one thing you take for granted? The one solid thing in your life that you don't ever have to worry about? is the earth. And then all of a sudden it starts to shake. And the hardest thing for me was the realization that the one thing I've counted on my whole life to be solid was no longer solid. And I think that is life without God. And what you do, the opposite of that, the safety, this is the one thing that will never let me down, that I can count on. Just wanted to share a wonderful verse. Turn with me to Alma chapter 43, or 34. That was dyslexic. Alma chapter 34. I love what Amulek says here. So beautiful. Sixteen. And I think this is one of the results of turning the miracles on opening the channel and turning the miracles on. Thus, mercy can satisfy the demands of justice and encircles them in the arms of safety. That's what the miracles bring, the arms of safety. One more scripture. Turn to Haggai, Old Testament, Haggai, chapter 1. Some of you are saying... Is there a book of Haggai? Yes, there is a book of Haggai. Turn to Haggai, chapter 1. And tell me if this describes perhaps... Oh, why is this doing this? See, talking about things that you plan... They're supposed to be solid, and they're not. When I tap on a page, it's supposed to take me there. There we go. So this is where children of Israel have returned from Babylon and they're supposed to build the temple. They have been commanded to build up the temple. Instead, look at what they're doing. So this people say the time has not come. It's not right. Not yet. We don't need to build the temple. I don't need to focus on God yet. I need to focus on me right now. And then the Lord says, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sild? Look, give me the footnote of sild. Tell me the footnote for sild houses. In other words, they're overbuilding their houses and what's sitting unbuilt. Now, I don't think the Lord ever expects me, I don't think he expected them to live in huts until the temple was done. But I get the impression here that what are they doing? They're focused on what? My house, not his house. Is this the time to worry about your siled houses and this house lie waste? 
Let me tell you what happens when you focus way too much on the wrong things. Consider your ways. I would hope that tonight is an invitation for all of us to consider our ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but it's not enough. You drink, but you're not filled. You clothe yourself, you put on layers, and yet you're still cold. You, you spend a lot of time earning money, and it's like putting money in a, ba- in a bag that has holes. Consider your ways. Now, would it, is the Lord saying, spend all day long building my temple and forget everything else you have to do? Don't go to school. Don't go to work. Don't have a social life. Spend 100% of your life building my temple. Is that his expectation? Obviously not. But if you will focus here, if you will build his kingdom, give me the opposites. You sow and bring in so much more than you thought you would. You eat and he gathers up what you couldn't eat, 12 baskets full. You drink and you're full. You put on something that really wasn't that big and it makes you warm. You earn small amount of wages and put it in a bag and every time you look in the bag, what's in there? More than I ever thought would be in there. Allow me to testify, you control the flow and I would invite you to consider your ways and turn on the miracles. Turn on the miracles. Um, We don't have time for the other one. There's so many places where the Book of Mormon testifies of itself and the role scriptures can and should play in our lives. But this is a really good one. Ether, or, uh, Alma chapter 37, in Alma's pleadings with Helaman to take care of the scriptures because that small act will fill their soul. Um, let, me just, let me just end with, I, I'm sad none of you, okay, only two of us here, were alive for President Benson's presidency. President Benson was awesome. President Benson... His emphasis was the Book of Mormon. Right after President Benson became, I'm going to have, I'm going to have you turn here. Let's go to the, open up the Gospel Library. I'm going to give you this resource and invite you to spend a little bit of time here. Open up the Gospel Library and go to magazines. I'll do that with you. Let's go to magazines. Go to Enzyme. So the old one, the olden days, and find 1986. 1986, the good old days. I was a junior, senior in high school. Go to May of 1986 and scroll all the way down to the bottom. Oh, wait, where is it? 
not all the way down, before, so after the talks, and see that little, the power of the word, after President Benson's concluding remarks in general conference, see that little article, the power of the word, that's the one I want you to open up. It comes from a meeting where President Benson, new prophet, speaks to the leadership of the church, and it was so powerful, we reprinted it. Now, follow along with me. He talks about the prophecies about our day. He quotes several scriptures about the prophecies of our day. Notice, let's go to this, par- my, this paragraph. My dear brethren, this is an answer to the great challenges of our time. The word of God is found in the scriptures, in the words of living prophets, in personal revelation, has the power to fortify the saints and arm them with the Spirit so that they can resist evil. Hold fast to the good and find joy in the life. Now, who's his audience here? Let's uh, who's his audience? These are priesthood leaders. So bear in mind, he's speaking to bishops, state presidents, regional representatives. He's talking to priesthood leaders. He says, now you priesthood leaders, we say, look to the prophetic counsel of Lehi and Paul and others like them. In that counsel, you will find a solution to the challenges you face in keeping your flock safe from the ravaging wolves that surround them. We know that you too have great anxiety for the members of your wards and stakes and expend great time and effort in their behalf. Allow me to personalize this. You've got children coming and not too far distance. You've got a family and you're going to worry about those children. How are they going to grow up in the world in which we live? And you're going to worry about those children. There is much that we ask of you who have been chosen for leadership. We place many loads upon your shoulders. You are asked to run the programs of the church, interview and counsel with the members, see that the financial affairs of the stakes and wards are properly handled. (coughs) Manage welfare projects, build buildings, and engage in a host of other time-consuming activities. While none of these activities can be ignored or laid aside, they are not the most important thing you can do for those you serve. And then he makes this declaration. Go down several, he quotes some, I want you to hear from President Benson. So I add my voice to these wise and inspired brethren. I say to you, president of the church, newly called president of the church, Ezra Tap Benson, I say to you that one of the most important things you can do as priesthood leaders, and the reason I say this is before your kids are coming, before you have that family, before you're the bishops and the presidents of the quorums and the groups, before they come, before your children are born, you want to do something for your children? Listen to what he says priesthood leaders should do. The most important thing you can do as a priesthood leader is to immerse you in the scriptures. Search them diligently. Feast upon the words of Christ. Learn the doctrine. Master the principles that are found therein. There are few other efforts that will bring greater dividends to your calling. There are few other ways to gain greater inspiration as you serve. You want to raise your children right and powerfully? Start now and become a student of the scriptures. Open the miracles in your life so that these blessings flow in your life. Now, once you've done that, next paragraph. (coughs) But that alone 
as valuable it is, is not enough. You must bend your efforts and your activities by stimulating meaningful scripture study among the members of the church. We often spend great efforts in trying to increase the activity levels of our church, our stakes. We work diligently to raise the percentage of those attending sacrament meetings. We labor to get a higher percentage of our young men on missions. We strive to improve the number of those marrying in the temple. All of these are commendable efforts and are important to the growth of the kingdom. But when individual members and families immerse themselves in the scriptures regularly and consistently, these other areas of activity will automatically come. Testimonies will increase, commitment will be strengthened, families will be fortified, personal revelation will flow. Most important thing you can do if you love your children, if you want to raise a righteous family, immerse yourself in the scriptures. Get those miracles flowing in your life. Have direction, have purpose, be fed. And then wherever you go, figure out how to stimulate meaningful scripture study among other people. Few other activities will bring the miracles that simply studying the scriptures will bring. You carry them in your pocket. Pull them out more frequently and read them. Commit to them. Be a lifelong student of them. I leave you my testimony. I have a front row seat. For 30 years, I've sat in front of the Latter-day Saints and watched those who choose to be purposeful and diligent with the scriptures turn on the miracles. And those who are slothful and forget, turn off the miracles. Take advantage of this priesthood line tool to increase personal revelation. Few other things will have a greater impact in your life than that. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.